Welcome to the Leela Life Show. I'm Linda Tate Andrews, your host, Thrive Coach and Consultant, bringing you curious conversations with our peers and experts on integrating consciousness into the modern world. Tune in regularly to expand. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Leela Life Show. I am your host, Linda Andrews, and I am so excited to bring today's special guest, Andrea Welty. She is a postpartum coach, aspiring doula, and herbal apprentice, and I am without a doubt certain her amazing perspectives will land today. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I'm so excited to have you here. And, you know, as we were just talking in the show pre pre pre-start, it's like the energy that we're able to send out right now feels so important and so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I'm blessed to have you here. Thank you. I know. So we will dive right in. Uh, The question and theme of our show is, what does integrating consciousness in the modern world mean to you? And I would love to hear your thoughts. Hmm. To me, it means like being able to get the ancient wisdom from our human history and being able to make it applicable to today's times. So for example, me personally, I work with mothers, like you said, and right now there's a big movement about conscious parenting Mm -hmm. and it's pretty much teaching to show parents now that we have much more knowledge on children and how intelligent they actually are compared to what standards we used to hold for them. The things that we say and the things that we do and the actions we do have to be conscious as parents is what we're teaching them because we're providing the root and the seed is going to start growing from there on. So that's how I see that meaning. It's how we can take past knowledge and make people more conscious and aware in a way that's digestible and usable in our modern time. I just so love your answer. Um, You yourself are an amazing mother. I do not have the blessing of kids and have so much respect for all parents, especially (laughs) to mine. And it's like, I feel like the more awake or woke that I find myself being like the, the respect for parents increases like a million fold. And I just want to really take a moment to celebrate and honor the work you're doing um, as you're talking. And I'm just picturing the next generation. And as a non-parent, I see sometimes conscious and less conscious forms of parenting. And I, you know, who am I to judge any of it? Right. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It looks really freaking hard and I have <laughs> a lot of respect. Um, and I just see these like very different paths. And I also acknowledge you and like, you're there before it really kind of starts if I'm correct. Yeah, actually for me, it was the birth of my son that reawakened my spiritual journey Mm -hmm. because I was dealing with postpartum depression. So I had to give a little background story. I had like the most hippiest birth that you could have. Like I wanted the water, like give birth in the water. I wanted the doula, the midwife, the birth center. I was like, no epidural. Like this is how I imagined my birth in my mind. And it was a long labor. It was about two days, but I hung in there and I was able to give birth in the water. But 
I didn't prepare for what comes after, which a lot of people, they use the term the fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up having all these feelings that came back to me about my past and my story that I wasn't remembering or didn't want to remember. So having my son and having postpartum depression kind of made like the universe pretty much said like you have to face everything wow (laughs) because I was remembering everything that I had gone through a child in my history so that is what stirred up my spiritual journey and it's interesting like you are quite spiritually attuned and like through that and through the birth of your son was its own spiritual attunement I imagine for some mothers that may not feel like quite as spiritually connected or like if even for yourself if you weren't like paying attention to the intuition, all of that opportunity for that deep work could easily be masked as say postpartum depression and the work not being done. If I'm understanding correctly, um, not that there's Mm -hmm. a correct answer in any of this, but literally like you're saying all this uncomfortableness is showing up and at that soul level being like, you have to deal with this. Yeah, exactly. So I got to a point where, so it's normal where most mothers get what's termed the baby blues, Mm -hmm. but once it starts to last a little bit longer than that, and it starts to become more severe, such as thoughts of suicide or other things like that, Mm -hmm. then that's when you start getting into the postpartum depression circle. So I, because I started to realize that I was having postpartum depression, I had a conversation with my husband, like, it's time to do something. So I went to therapy, I went to mommy and me groups, but I felt like something was missing. Like there was an essence that I, I just couldn't understand. And it was, I couldn't relate, you know, I understood like talking about it and, um, I was meeting other moms, but just something wasn't clicking. So I follow a lot of spiritual people through social media and it was actually Sahara Rose. Mm -hmm. She held or like an event out in Los Angeles where it was like a goddess dance activation. It was the first time that I had actually gone out without my husband and no baby since my son was born. And it was like the super cool shamanic twerking dancing event. Cool. And as a mother where sometimes you're shamed depending on your thoughts about motherhood, it was just so fun to just like let loose and dance and, you know, just touch and embrace other bodies and have this one conscious um, event with other women where I realized like this is what I'm missing. It's this spiritual essence and this like wild woman mentality that I had been blocking myself from having for so long. So from there, that's when I actually signed up for a life coach and I joined the masterclass where I met you Yes, because I just, at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to dig full in and listen to these little like nuggets that my soul is telling me to listen to. And the number one thing that I got from joining all these things is realizing that like I had the answers all along inside of me through my own intuition. And as women, I believe we're naturally more inclined to be intuitive because we become mothers Mm -hmm. because we have a baby where you have to learn how to intuitively know why are they crying? Are they hungry? Do they need a diaper change? Especially when they're first born, there's absolutely no communication except their facial expressions and them crying to you. So it was realizing that I had this like, wild woman essence inside of me naturally that I could tap into at any time. And that's what pretty much was my saving grace. (laughs) Cracked you right open. Yes. How long after your son was born until like the circle from your son being born, like you being out that night, how old was he? 
I think he must have been anywhere from, I would say, six to 13 weeks. Okay. So he was still pretty small, but I knew I was at the point where I could move and dance again because it Amazing. takes something like about six weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, as you're talking about like the wild woman piece of this, I recently amidst these different like quarantine measures, all of a sudden, because I was getting into these almost like petty disagreements with my husband about like doing stuff around the house, but it was Mm -hmm. like very, I was very weirdly sensitive about it. And, um, I'm not the one to always like pick up the thing right away. So for him to like ask me to do it, isn't a big deal. It's actually like a really thoughtful reminder, Mm -hmm. but I had gotten so sensitive. And all of a sudden one day I was like, Oh my God, I hate being told what to do. Like I remembered like this wild woman, like freedom feeling. And then we're in this idea of quarantine where, you know, you can't quote unquote go and I'm being told what to do. And I'm like, you're suppressing like my wild woman. And so I like admitted all this to him and I was like, okay, so, you know, if you could just like go easy on me, I'm feeling like way too told what to do. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. There has been days where I'm just like, wow, I haven't done anything in the house. And that's okay. It's fine. And I'm just like letting loose. And the same thing with the quarantine, I'm like missing that human interaction. So I've just been joining like, there's like virtual dances right now and like virtual cacao ceremonies and virtual like meditations. I'm like everything right now. I'm in in all of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, do you happen to know the percentage of women that have postpartum after childbirth? I don't remember the percentage actually, but it is a pretty good percentage amount of women that do get it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that the estimate is also skewed because a lot of women don't come out and say that they have it. Yeah. And it's also a very big cultural, there's a big cultural aspect for it. So for example, my background, I'm Guatemalan. Mm -hmm. So in the Latino community, especially like there's a lot of women that because of kind of the masculine machismo mentality, once the baby is born, they're kind of just expected to hurry up and become the housewife already. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of struggles there with coming out and saying that you have a problem. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I think you shed some amazing light and, you know, it's like understanding the ability to fully like parent and mother your kid, basically like through that time and space. Um, but for you going through that as this like spiritual awakening, giving you probably 20 times the capacity to be a parent over his lifetime, if you wouldn't have stepped out and done that. Um, So with that being said, like when you were going through that experiment, were you ever feeling guilty about getting like support and like even exploring that path for yourself then to do the work? There definitely was. There was I had like, my ego was telling me like, you're a mom, you shouldn't be going out because like I said, I went full on. And if there was like a sister circle, I was going to it. If there was any type of event, luckily, fortunately, I have a husband who's very supportive. He said, pretty much just go and do what you need to do. But internally I was having this battle of my baby is so small still. Am I supposed to stay home or should I go out and heal myself first? But now after going through everything, I know that I did the right thing because I don't think I would have like figured things out as fast as I Mm -hmm. did if I didn't just listen to my soul at that point. 
Amazing. God, I just, it's like, I just feel like in parenthood and motherhood being in that martyr role, I think once you start in that space, it can be really hard to make changes. Like if anything, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And again, it's not to say like the right way or the wrong way to be a parent. I think that everybody's on their perfect journey. Um, but what I saw sometimes in my family, it was like my mom, um, you know, just like not fully being her to be like super mom. And in a way like that was, or is her, Um, But I would be curious sometimes of like, what parts of herself is she not able to fully be? And maybe I'm the fool. And like that, those are all the, like the parts of her, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. this trippy (laughs) element, but I can't even handle that thought right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do, I think that there's this, and and this has been coming up for me so much in the past couple of weeks, but it's like me being my hundred percent fullness of self, me Encouraging that for you equals the ultimate weeness. I say 100% meanness, 100% you-ness equals 100% weeness. Okay. And weeness, then we make like the weeness joke. Um, But for you, um, you're doing that. And like, I I think sometimes they're moms or parents that aren't in their 100% meanness. And what, in, in your opinion, does that change in a household? I feel like it transforms every aspect in your household once you're able to stop in and fully work on yourself. For example, in my relationship with my husband, there was a, I had a lot of stuff that I wasn't opening to him about. And because of the depression, I was like forced to talk to him about these things. And if I didn't talk to him, maybe I wouldn't have also seek the help. And I feel like as a mother, once you can fully tap into your like who you are, it just overall will help your parenting journey. Because I've noticed that since I'm able to take the time to work on myself, when I get into situations that maybe are frustrating, mm-hmm. this is a mom you're going to get there. You're going to have the days you're crying. You're like on the floor, like, oh my God, I have no control, you know, and nothing's going your way. But you get like this voice in your head that tells you like, just breathe you know, and it's that little voice that reminds me like, it's okay. And it's part of that conscious parenting. Cause as a doula, for example, what I'm studying is it's the whole philosophy where you parent the parent Mm -hmm. and why you spent as a postpartum doula time with the mother after she gives birth also, because she needs to have that time to kind of recenter and reframe ourselves. But unfortunately in our society, in our Western culture, not a lot of women know about postpartum doulas or think it's worth the investment or they don't take the time to fully heal their body with nutrition and herbal medicine, with resting and have, for example, in different cultures around the world, um, for example, you'll see it in Mexico, Guatemala, you'll see Japan, Korea, they'll have these traditions where they're all very similar, even though they were so spread out around the world, they all have the same concept where they would spend 40 days. Mm-hmm. So in Spanish, it's called the cuarenta. So they would spend 40 days where the woman or the mom is just pampered. She's like laying down, they give her massages. Like it's a whole tribe uh, mentality where she's being fed, she's being bathed. She's given like soups with herbs and different um, nutritional remedies to just help her whole body heal. So once she's out of that 40 day process, she's ready to be a mom. 
So that's why I love that philosophy. And it's kind of like you say, how do you integrate consciousness with our modern world? It's like bringing back those ideas so that we can be better people. You're like the first person that's ever sold me on the parent, the idea of like parenthood. I feel so funny even saying that, but I'm like, oh my God, sign me up for where I'm going to be pampered for 40 days. So I have mom strength. Like that's the public service announcement for the day for everyone. And, you know, I think this conversation can have so many layers to it, especially like globally, like the idea of motherhood globally. There's so many different shades of motherhood globally. You know, that that thought is just so big and God, it's like so many different ways to be a mother and like step into motherhood globally. And then we're here in the US and, you know, that it's like out of all the options, what we came up with. Like, yes. it's pretty much like have your baby go home and in six weeks you're back to work. And like intuitively yeah. there's this part of like, just even the medical system. Like, I'm like, wait a second, how many doctor's appointments do you have to go to between like finding out you're pregnant till, uh, you know, you have the baby. Like, I don't know how many that is, but it see it always seemed like a lot. And I'm, I'm kind of like laughing right now as we're talking. Cause I'm like, I, I just, if you were to zoom out like 10,000 feet to our medical system and like welcoming motherhood, it's mm-hmm. like, if you, if you were to just be fully in like, do I want to do that? It's like, obviously you can see why it's really freaking scary the mm-hmm. way it's set up. And I, I'm just having this funny experience. Cause I feel like a lot of people, women right now go through this experience of like, huh? Like, do I want to do that? You know, like, do I want to go it through that? And it's just in some ways, almost this whole other form of oppression to women, the way our medical society is set up around birthing children right now. Do you have any mm-hmm. thoughts about that? I have so many thoughts, even if I can go on on a tantrum just about, you know, as I, when I became pregnant and I looked into what my options were. And like I said, I went more of like the holistic route. Like I wanted the birthing southern and the midwife, but as I took classes, um, I was told there's all these things that they do to you in a traditional hospital setting, which is all optional. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that it's optional most of the time. Uh, for example, they can do like a lot of women when they give birth, they're told to get like an induction date at 40 weeks. They're not advocated and said that, you know, your body can actually do it naturally within the, I think it's the 37 to the uh, 42 week mark. Mm-hmm. So it can happen at any point from there on end. But now what you'll see is a lot of doctors, they just kind of say, okay, we're going to go set up your date. We're going to, you're going to give birth, you know, on May 7th, and you're going to get induced this state. But because women don't know their options and their rights, or they don't understand how their body actually functions, they're just going to go for it. A lot of it is also has to do with fear because you're so, I, for me personally, I was terrified of giving birth. So I also did like a lot of reading and um, meditations and working on getting rid of the fear of having a baby so that I could have a birth without any medical intervention. But it's that fear that, you know, when somebody tells you to do something, you're just going to agree with everything they say. Cause you're like, okay, they're the expert. I'm going to listen to them versus listening to your own body and your own intuition. 
And it's not to shame. I am also though a big believer that if at any point you need medical intervention, go and do it. You know, I'm not against C-sections or anything like that because anything can happen. Mm -hmm. And there's also a a layer of shame that happens to that if someone has it. And I think that there should be no shame if you have to seek medical intervention. But that said, if it's not necessary, you have, your body knows what it needs to do. Uh, As you said that shame, I noticed this almost like competitive birthing culture around women, like Mm -hmm. in sharing their story and experience. But it's like, and I think a big part of it's craving the information share, like the actual storytelling of, of birthing and mother, like early motherhood. But, um, it can seem like there's this almost comparison aspect or competitive aspect. Yes, there is. And I think that's on definitely on both spectrums. That's something mm-hmm. once you become a mother, you're going to start hearing like opinions about all these things that you never thought about before, which includes the birthing process, if you're going to breastfeed or not and things like that. But there definitely is, for example, when I said that I wanted to have a birth with no medical intervention, I automatically was hit with people that were projecting their own stories onto me and saying like, you're not going to do it you're going to start hitting um, your contractions and you're going to want to get the epidural. And I started to believe what they were saying because Mm. everyone was saying it. And I had to, that's like I said, I had to do a lot of work internally and block what they were saying and just focus on me trying to get rid of the fear. Mm. But I think on the other side of that, there's also women that are into the whole natural birthing philosophy that if a woman does have an epidural, they tend to maybe shame her like, oh, you got one and I didn't. Right. You You couldn't do it. Exactly. Which I think there should be no shame and everyone's birthing story is unique to themselves. For me personally, my message always is just be informed and whatever you decide to do with that information, that's your own story. And that's what gives you empowerment. But when you don't know what your options are, and if you're being told to do something by maybe a midwife or a doctor, that's not giving you the full story, then that's when I think that's, they're shorting you out of an experience that you could possibly have had. Mm -hmm. So interesting. There's, it's like, um, one of the things that feels very clear to me is everybody arrives to their present moment through a variety of experiences, positive mm-hmm. or negative, or other, um, say even, I don't know if it's motives or um, maybe motive motivations, just like from their own experience. And this is where you're being guided from with other people, right? And, mm-hmm. and this can often be very helpful, informative, but again, like you said, this projecting. And uh, what I noticed in even my like getting married marriage process that there was this layer of projection, but like trauma, (laughs) it was literally other people's trauma. And after like the third or fourth kind of like either horrid, 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 excuse me, horrid wedding story or divorce or whatever. I was just like, (laughs) I didn't know that from the moment I got engaged till the day I walked down the aisle, I was like the sounding board for trauma. (laughs) I just like, I don't want to do this. And as you're talking, I'm just like, oh, I would imagine that, you know, pregnancy is very similar. Yes, exactly. The same with my marriage too. I like, it's always the one where people say like, 
you know, we were dating, we're fine. But once we got married, everything changed, you know? And I remember people telling me things before, like, don't ever get married. (laughs) And that's the same exact thing with pregnancy. People just want to project all their fears and trauma onto you. So it's just learning to just dismiss what they have to say and just say, you know, thank you for sharing your opinion, but I'm done listening to what you have to say. And I literally had to do sometimes that with, um, my pregnancy or what I was hoping to have a birth story because you can instantly just see in people's faces that like they wanted to say something, you know, like, Oh no, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to do it. Trust me. It hurts so bad, you know, and just, mm-hmm. I'm happy that I took the time to do the work. Yeah. Well, and it, coming back to this idea of like belief, thought, action, reality, like that, formula for life. Um, it's like you start adopting other people's beliefs about something that may absolutely not be your own. And it's like, whichever one is the strongest belief you're going to kind of grip onto versus being in that space of like personal power, integrity, and intuition of yourself, that outcome can look drastically different. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. I feel like if I had not taken the time, there was a couple of books that I had read and there was a podcast that I listened to. I believe it's called the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Cool. But I literally listened to this podcast every single day on my way to work because it was an hour drive. And it's literally a podcast where you just listen to like positive birth stories. Wow. So every day I was literally filling my head with like positive birth stories, positive birth stories. I would Google it. I would watch YouTube videos because I wanted to be... I wanted to have that vibration in my head. Like that's what's possible. Mm -hmm. Even though there's a lot of people projecting their fears, there still is the, what if I do have a like birth in the water? You know, what if I don't have to get medical intervention? And it was like hanging on to that like tiny little string and not listening to everybody else's giant mess is what helps me. You're sharing something that is like the formula for success, whether you are, you know, nearing your child's birth or in just another day of life, whatever. Um, But it's like the importance of what you're taking in, what beliefs you're adopting. Uh, I'm reminded right now of like this global experience that we're having where there's a lot of different information coming through that could be really scary. Um, But when I personally step into the idea of what's possible, I'm filled with so much hope, so much energy. I feel literally like a different person. And I'm just wondering like, what is true right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, what are we as a collective setting our eyes on, sights on, experience on that's compelling, amazing for literally at all with capital letters, big underline. And, you know, to pare this down to even today's conversation, it's like within a birth story, within a birth experience, what could be possible? And, you know, from I'm assuming the moment you find out you're pregnant to into how long are you typically working with mothers um, after they give birth? For postpartum doula, it's actually paid hourly rates. So it's not uh, like if you have a birth doula, you it's more of like a time period. But for postpartum doula, it's whatever the mother thinks that she needs. So typically, sometimes you may see them weekly for four weeks or six cool. weeks or if they need you more, maybe six weeks. Awesome. So being able to say within that, um, you know, what that time period could look like after, but you're, you're literally like setting up the foundation of the kids. Yes. 
So the bigger question being like, what could parenthood look and feel like? Sorry, say that again. I'm saying that when we take the conversation in like a global context of saying, what do we want this experience to look like right now, not related to childbirth, you know, with our Mm -hmm. global experience, that being one question, like the power of us collectively to hold the vision for what's possible. And then Mm -hmm. collectively within the context of motherhood to say like, what could this experience look like for our new mothers? And then Mm -hmm. if you pare it down even further to that specific mother, and I, I feel like that's some of the work that you're doing. Yeah, it's being able to show the mother that, you know, she has the power to have the strength to make her life the way that she envisions it to be in a positive way. So, for example, with me personally, some of the work that I had to do after I gave birth had to do a lot with my own trauma with my mother Mm. and the way that she parented um, she had a lot of emotional baggage that she carried and she projected that out to us, whether that was physical or emotional abuse. So I mentioned earlier on the podcast that when I gave birth to my son, it brought up a lot of things from my past that I was forgetting. And that was part of it. Mm-hmm. So I had this fear where I was going to my therapist saying like, Oh my God, I'm going to end up being my mom. I'm going to end up being my mom. I was so freaked out that I was going to repeat that whole cycle of trauma because I was already having depression and I was already getting agitated. I wasn't really bonding with him. So I felt like, Oh man, I'm going to screw everything up for him. I would literally picture his whole life. And I was envisioning myself to be this terrible mother, but because I was able to go back and go through my childhood trauma and do all that work, I was able to realize like, just because that's her story, that doesn't mean that that's my story. And it took a lot of work. It's work that I still do on a daily basis to be able to look at, do some shadow work and realize that that doesn't have to be the outcome, that I have the ability to stop this now with all this ancestral generational trauma that I can do it. And for me, part of my Uh, postpartum coaching, that's a big aspect of it is the soul work. Because like I said, when I went to therapy and when I went to mommy and me groups, I felt like there was that essence that was missing. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was being able to go back and collect all the pieces and see what from your spirit was broken or is making you feel this way so that you can be a stronger and better mother. So I do feel that's possible where we can change the realities you know, all the different timelines or possibilities that you can possibly be. We have the ability to choose the more positive one. Amazing. Um, any of that work, is any of that work able to be done during pregnancy or does it really start clicking in after or it depends on the woman? If you could, I would definitely start during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. That's what I would recommend, knowing what I know now, because if you can have that mindset now and be prepared for the postpartum period, which like I said, I was not prepared for postpartum, Mm -hmm. it'll help you and give you the tools to navigate through that time period. So as you're going through the baby blues and having, you know, the hormonal changes and the difficulties of having no sleep, having a completely new lifestyle, you're going to be able to stick onto that positive mindset compared to as if you were not prepared and didn't do the work. Yeah. Like I'm even wondering to the extent that you would do the work, almost like the more that you do the work beforehand, 
I'd be curious if there could be, the, mm-hmm. if this could be a study, if it would mm-hmm. lower the incidence of uh, postpartum depression. I feel like it definitely would. And I, I think it's so necessary. And if you have like a calling to do this work, because being a doula or a postpartum doula or working in the birthing industry, like it takes a certain kind of person. So we need people who feel called to help people from the bottom of their heart where they generally want to make a difference. And I see it a lot now. I see, I'm starting to see more postpartum coaches as the coaching community has grown because there is a need for it. Mm -hmm. For me, particularly right now, I've worked just on the postpartum period because that's the period that I felt like I had the most growth. But eventually I would like to do both birthing and then postpartum. Yeah, that birthing element. I mean, I think if you, I guess part of it's if you weren't aware of what's about to happen after the birth, like that you wouldn't be able to even know. And it sounds like, like in your experience, a lot of it came up afterwards that you might not have even been able to have dug so deeply into beforehand. And I think there's a good element to distinguish here where it's not just your own even ancestral trauma, it's like the collective trauma that also gets Mm -hmm. looped into some of this and, you know, sort of joking about like the modern day medical experience of childbirth and how, like, in my opinion, it's less than desirable. Um, Like to me, that's an example of some of that collective like trauma, right? Like I have such a strong Mm -hmm. opinion about that because it feels sort of scary to me or not, not like the best way to bring a kid into the world. And I think that to me, like connects back to that collective trauma piece of what, what we've bring in this, this experience to be. Mm -hmm. Yes. They definitely treat birth or pregnancy. Like it's an illness. It's Mm -hmm. that mindset of like, we have to treat you, focus on the baby, focus on the baby, focus on the baby, make sure mom's alive so the baby can be born. Once baby's born, boom, that's it. We did our jobs, right? Which is why personally I went with a midwifery or birthing center because their appointments are just so different. It was, you know, an hour long appointment where they really just sit with you and talk to you. And it's that same nurturing for the mother, you know, that, that essence that I think is so important and is missing from just the traditional medical viewpoint of what, how we see birthing right now. You're making me laugh. Um, the gynecologist that I go to, and I'm sure there's the full spectrum of what a gynecologist doctor can be like. And, and I actually think she's pretty nice and sweet, but every time I get to the first appointment, she'll say, uh, are you going to have a baby this year? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you only know my name because it's on the paper in your hand and like no small talk. We're just diving in. Like, and I just always sort of look at her and like, no, I don't think so. And like, it's just so odd to me that that's, and like, that's kind of the start you know, the alternative is like, you're pregnant and that starts the conversation, but it's like the first Mm -hmm. conversation, are you planning to be pregnant this year? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Are we hitting hitting our numbers or something? (laughs) Like, I feel like I'm getting a speeding ticket. Like, do I have to remember your face this time or can I forget it? I know. Okay. You're like, I mean, it's almost literally like, should we just say the appointment's pointless? Like, Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting, like in terms of women's health, like the other side of this is like the hysterectomy and this being one of the most prescribed surgeries, you know, sometimes very necessary. But I, from what I knew in, 
in uh, alternative medicine, I'm like, I don't think you need to do that unless it's necessary. And like, what, who's deeming what necessary is? Cause if it's your doctor who's prescribing those a lot, like why, why is that necessary? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the same goes as far as C-section rates. Mm-hmm. So here in the United States, we actually have one of the highest C-section rates. I mean, they're teaching this in, in medical system. school. Yeah, I, I had a friend in a school for a PT or I think, yeah, PT, I believe PT, but whatever. And she literally, I'll never forget, they had their classes on childbirth and she came to like the next party that week and was like, make sure you do a selective C. And I'm like, I, you know, I think I was 22 or 23, like we're literally partying for the weekend. And like, that was the conversation over a glass of wine. And I'm like, why is she telling us this? <laughs> wow. And it was I like the curriculum. That. Like, wow. It's like in the, she's like, no, you'll never believe what I saw this week. Definitely selective C. And I, I just found that so disturbing. Yeah, that is pretty disturbing to know that that is what they're teaching that we should do. The same goes for an episiotomy. That's when they pretty much just cut you. And just so there's this belief that the baby is too big to come out on its own. So mm-hmm. it's very common where they'll just cut you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of malpractice where sometimes they won't even really tell the mother at the time that it's done. They'll just tell her maybe afterwards and say, oh, it was necessary to do. Mm-hmm. But there are babies that are 10, 11 pounders that mothers haven't able to push them out naturally. It just all has to do with how you view the birth. And if you're, if you have the patience to kind of deal with it and let the body do what it has to do on its own time, for example, the birthing center that I went to, they never do it. So to know that they give birth to hundreds of babies there, I think they said they only had two instances where it was a medical emergency and they had to do it. Mm -hmm. But out of all those babies, only two of them where it's such a common practice Mm -hmm. and they say that it's supposed to be better, but it actually leaves more problems. Women will have scarring. They'll have more pain. It'll take longer to heal Mm -hmm. versus when you just leave it alone. God, I am having this thought about how, I'm just going to say it within the medical industry, like everybody has all these potential elements to be dollar signs. And if you have say something done that is going to lead to more complications, like at whether it's right now or down the road, these are dollar signs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've brought this up a little bit, not with my voice, like typing, (laughs) Mm-hmm. And this message was taken the wrong way because it's suggesting that like doctors are like doing bad stuff, right? Like, I don't think it's the doctors. I think there's a system that is training, just like just saying to a 23 year old, tell all your friends to do selective C's when you're out socially. It's just part of this, like these ingrained systems that if there's no one along the line saying like, is this the best way or doing this, there's not a lot of room for this intuition check in the systems. And so, you know, it feels so important to be able to like hear exactly what you're saying and talk about some of these options, because if you don't even know that they're there or you're not reading like the, the, you know, alternative or whatever mom group on Facebook or something, you're not going to come into this information. Exactly. Just 
I feel the same where I don't feel that doctors or nurses or OBGs are bad people. Like you said, it has to do with just the system or the things that they're taught. Cause if they've been taught this for their whole college career and somebody telling them that they're wrong, you know, it can be insulting to hear that sometimes, but that's always why I say like, as long as you are informed, whatever route you do, that's your choice and you have the right to do that. But it's making sure that women are aware of your rights and doing the research. And unfortunately, sometimes in our traditional medical systems, you're not given all of your choices. And that's where the problem lies. So in your opinion, how accessible is this information to women? I think if you go, well, I can't say because I didn't have birth at a traditional doctor, so to say, but from the information that I hear from my friends and family, I don't think it's that accessible going to your traditional doctor. But there are lots of resources online. Luckily, there's a lot of uh, birthing movements going on right now where women are being taught to have birth naturally and dig into that. So there's also birthing centers. A lot of people are not even aware of what a birthing center was. Mm -hmm. A funny story is when I called up my insurance to see if the birthing center I wanted to know was a okay, the lady on the other line from the insurance company was like, what? What? I was like, a birthing center, a center for birth? Like, she's like, "Uh, I don't know what that is. You mean a hospital? (laughs) And she was like, "Um," and as I told her, I was like, well, this is the name of the place. And she typed it up and she's like, oh, yeah, you're good with them. I've I've never heard of that. No one's ever asked before. So it's like, just if you have any questions, look up, there's always local birthing centers. And a lot of the times they're going to have classes that are available for you to take. Um, A lot of women, I know once they learn what the birthing center, you can always transfer over and Mm -hmm. have them be your primary care for the rest of the pregnancy. Uh, I think pretty much for wherever you're at, at your birthing point. So if you're like seven months along and you're just not happy with the care that you've had, or you feel like maybe they're not treating you in the way that you deserve to be treated, you can always change and transfer because it's better to maybe leave somebody upset with hurt feelings that you left them and for you to have the birth experience that you deserve to have. God, you're planting the seed of what the birth experience can look like. Mm-hmm. Yep, I just because I've gone through it, I know it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I have so many friends and family that they don't do it because of they're scared or the information that they're being told. And that's why your intuition is just so important. Like I've been doing a lot of like womb work lately and like mm-hmm. womb meditations and tapping into that power. And I really do believe that our wombs are like the centers of like this wisdom, like I mentioned earlier, women, we have that men don't have and what makes us just naturally so much more intuitive and just to tap into that. And if something's telling you, you know, gosh, I really just, I feel like I want to do it differently. I know my next birth, I've already said, I'm going to have a home birth and Mm -hmm. everyone's like, you're crazy, you know? And it's just because since I've had this birth experience already at the birthing center, I've said, wow, I think it would have been so much more easier to just stay at home and have it here. And then once my son was born, I could have just gone straight to my room and said like, peace out, you know, no having to drive anywhere, no having Mm -hmm. to transfer. So if you feel like it's calling out to you, but there's all these other voices telling you like, no, that's dangerous or no, you're not going to be able to do it. Just tune those voices out and tune internally because you have this wisdom inside of you for you to use. 
And that's the full circle right there, tapping into that ancient wisdom within. Oh, thank you, Andrea, so much. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. I feel like you just had the the ultimate mic drop of what's possible and, and that intuition being the key there. Um, but I want to hold space for anything else that's coming through. I want to give a last message for any mamas out there who are struggling, especially right now with COVID-19 and the quarantine, or even if you hear this podcast after this is all over, just don't be afraid to seek support. You know, what did I do? I went to a therapist and I went to go have helped the shaman in our masterclass. And I did everything. I went to ecstatic dances and, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do. And don't be ashamed of it because in the long run, it's just going to help your parenting journey a lot better. Yeah. And, and like remembering you're a part of this conscious parenting that that's one thing that feels really important to also mention. Mm -hmm. Like if you, anybody's listening and, and any part of your experience or the way you were raised or the way you raise your kids is just so much different. It's like, it's okay. You have the consciousness of today to go forward in whatever phase of your life and to impact those around you in that way. And uh, that feels just really important because, because yes, that's yeah. the integration. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have the tools. You don't have to do what was done before. Yeah. We're going to start a new generation of conscious kids. So let your kids listen. No, <laughs> that I, I listened to the live stream. Uh, one of the, my favorite mindset coaches though. And she said, if you can start your kids doing this work right now, like you will forever shift their trajectory of life. And I just love that so much. And I feel like to end this, Andrea, like that's what you're doing even before the birth. Mm -hmm. And just want to thank you so much for the work that you do. And uh, where can all of our lovely listeners find you if they want to connect? Yes, thank you. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram. It's Andrea B. Welty. So B as in boy, or you can find me at andreabwelty.com. And the same goes for Twitter and Facebook. Amazing. Thank you so much. And listeners, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Check out patreon.com slash Leela Life to show your ongoing support for the show. Thank you so much for being here. Without you, this would really mean nothing. Have a great day.